Hello, everyone. Well, it's been a week uh, since we've uh, been in this place that is online and doing church together in ways that are very different than anything we've ever experienced in our in our past <laughs> past life. And I use that phrase very carefully because in some ways, uh, what is uh, now normal is very different than what was normal just about three weeks ago. And as we try to adjust to uh, what this means and how to make sense of it and what to uh, look forward to, uh, we know that uh, there's a lot of open-endedness to where we are going. But thankfully, uh, we have the Lord uh, who is the one walking with us and beside us and hovering over us. And so we take a lot of comfort, don't we, in knowing that his presence uh, is something that in everything that we can't predict, uh, we can at least uh, expect we can count on him and his promises. As we begin, I, I just want to uh, start uh, this process by inviting the Lord into our online experience together. And as we do, I am trusting that he's going to work through uh, the things that I have to say, uh, the things that are going on in your heart, uh, and the word that uh, we use to connect ourselves to the Lord together. So would you bow with me? Our Father, we are grateful that as we begin this first day of the week, even though on the horizontal plane, the world is in a very uncertain place, that on that vertical connection that we have with you, we find a stable center. That in you, Lord, no matter what we face, and we know that you have told us that in this world we will have trouble, uh, but we take comfort in knowing that you have overcome. That as we face things of, of a nature that we've never experienced before, we have experienced you before, and we're grateful for that. And Lord, there may be those who are watching right now who haven't experienced you, and I just pray that you help them to begin that journey. Lord, you are our stable place. You are our rock. You are our fortress. You are our ever-present help in our time of need. And if there was ever a time that the world needed you in our lifetimes, I think this is it, Lord. And so would you be with our people? Uh, would you be with those who maybe are putting their toes in the water and asking the question, I wonder what God has to do with all of this? And I pray that if there are those that you're drawing here uh, to this online experience in that way, that you would speak to their hearts especially. Father, thank you that you have been faithful this past week. And as we've looked at the news and we've heard stories of different people experiencing uh, COVID-19 and how it's impacted their lives and their families, uh, we just want to continue to lift up those on the front lines that play such a crucial role in enabling uh, uh, life and health to continue. We pray for doctors and for nurses, especially as they tirelessly seek to help those that are hurting, that are anxious, that are fearful, and to do so in ways that they have been equipped for uh, to, um, to, to address those health needs. And as they do, may you work through their lives and may your grace just overflow abundantly. 
I pray for those that work at grocery stores and gas stations and those people that are defined as essential workers to keep things going in a way that we can continue to be sustainable. And Lord, as we see them, uh, give us the wherewithal to just consider what they're facing each hour of each day and thank them, Lord. We thank you, Father, for being with our, our families, especially those who have had to adjust to pretty big changes in how their kids are at home and how life is now restructured and upended. I pray, Father, for those families that are especially dealing with um, uh, the challenge of uh, adapting to these new realities. I pray, Father, for those who especially are alone by themselves in their homes and they need uh, that word of encouragement because we are social beings, Lord, by design. We know you've said that it's not good for us to be alone. And so in whatever way possible, help those who aren't alone to be aware of those who are and to extend to them the kind of uh, gestures of love and encouragement, uh, however you lead, Lord, uh, in a safe way so that we can all get through this together. I thank you for being uh, uh, our ever-present help in our time of need as we pray prayers through the course of each day. Uh, many of them, Father, just our way of saying, we need you, Lord, and others saying we're thankful for blessings that are right there in front of us. Father, as we just take this time in your word, we pray that you help us uh, to be able to use it in our being, in our very soul, to edify us uh, both individually and together. Um, and we pray, Father, that as we do that, and as we're present, even though not physically in the body, but definitely in the spirit as we, as we studied last week, Lord, and we thank you for that promise. And so, uh, church, I just pray that uh, if you would pray along with me, uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, it will be a way of uniting us together in spirit. So let's do that now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, as we move into what is our fourth week apart, uh, it's not an easy experience for me because I love being around our people. And I love Sunday mornings. I love meeting new people whenever they come and hearing their stories and how God is working. And in many ways, that um, personal experience is something that we've been deprived of. And I'm really looking forward to a time when we can gather and we can celebrate. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping things real quick. Uh, we are, of course, going to be doing Easter online next week. And uh, so um, just tune back in here and hopefully it will be a, a time where we can be blessed as we celebrate uh, the resurrection together. This week is Palm Sunday and we're going to look at it through the lens of uh, Jesus's experience in coming into Jerusalem on the donkey. Uh, but before we go into that, uh, that space, 
I uh, just want to encourage you to uh, continue to pay attention to uh, Facebook and um, our other social media uh, outlets that we have, Instagram, um, our website. Uh, we have uh, this week's installment of the Psalms, Psalm 51 through 58. And so if you're reading in the Psalms, please just uh, go there if you're all caught up and uh, begin that journey. Those are fresh and I'll have some more coming out this week. Um, with that said, um, if you have any questions or concerns or things that we can help you out with as a church, uh, please uh, call us, text us. Uh, we have a, a form on our website that you can fill out that will uh, be something that we'll pay attention to as well and hopefully respond however we can. But we wanna let you know that you are in our prayers. Uh, we are thinking about you and as we go through this, we can get through this together. Now, there is something that I think a lot of us are going through, and that is that unease that we feel. It's kind of in the air, that things are not what they were, and normal is not what it, what it used to be. And as we've gone almost a month into not meeting together, the new, new normal is we're meeting online. But there are other things that are are, are, are not normal that are becoming the new normal. And that is uh, just how we live day to day in our routines, or maybe we're trying to recalibrate those routines. And maybe some deeper things are even going on in our lives that we don't have language for and we need some help. And I wanna just go there uh, in that space as we work together through this by looking at that story of Jesus coming into the city uh, riding on a donkey. As we celebrate Passover, we read that quite a bit. And as uh, we look at it, I want to look at it through the lens of what we're experiencing together under quarantine. So if you have your Bibles, uh, feel free to turn to Luke chapter 19. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 30 through 44. And as we do, I want to just bring out a couple of points and hopefully help you and help us uh, as we move through uh, this experience together. So in this reading, uh, Luke's, uh, these words from Jesus, go to the village ahead of you as Jesus um, uh, uh, directs his disciples. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead, sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. <laughs> they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. Okay. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, 
had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now, that passage of scripture goes from hopeful and anticip anticipatory uh, to giving you a sense of dread. And I have a feeling that that is really probably uh, where your heart and your mind has been. If you're anything like me and how you've responded to this, it seems like we have we have been somewhere between grief on the one, one hand and hoping to thrive on the other. There have been some huge blessings in this experience uh, that, that have been sort of unforeseen uh, in, the, in the form of being able to spend time with family, being able to catch up on things that you've been putting off. Um, and in a lot of ways, taking time to just pray and read the scripture and, and reconnect with God. But there also have been some things that I think we have to pay attention to, and that has to do with grief. Now, grief is something that you don't normally think about in any other terms, except for when somebody dies. But whenever you go through some kind of process in life where things are changing and what was normal before uh, is passing away and you have that sense that is passing away, then you also, when you look ahead, you anticipate that I don't know what this means for the future. And I'm feeling a sense of loss. Now, when Jesus went into the city on the donkey, all of those things I know were at work in his heart and his mind. And he was anticipating some things, both good and both bad, both that involved grief and involved thriving. And with his disciples, very shortly after this, there was a, a sense of unease in the air. It was palpable. There was a uh, a, a lingering sense of fear and anxiety. And maybe as we look at the story uh, uh, carefully, we can see how that has an effect on, on, on us as well in these times. The good news is um, there's a grieving part of this experience and there's a thriving part of this experience. I want to first go to the grieving part. Now, you may or may not be grieving, but let's assume that maybe you are. And if you are, um, uh, maybe uh, you're wondering, what, how do I make sense of it? And what is grief? Well, as a pastor, I tell people that there are five stages of grief or five places that you go. Uh, and maybe better put, five tools that help you process your grief. And they are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So let's find out if you've been grieving or not. Have you had this sense of initially this virus won't affect us? And that's denial. Or maybe you've been in anger. That is, you've had this thought. You, that is the government, you're making me stay home and take me away, taking me away from my activities. I've definitely been there. And so there is a little bit of anger that's uh, uh, underneath the surface here. And then there's bargaining. And bargaining goes like this. It would say something like, okay, if I social distance for two weeks or three weeks or two months, 
everything will be better, right? And that's the, the agreement that we're hoping to make with the situation. That's bargaining. And then fourthly, depression or sadness. And that's simply the thought that, that occurs to you, I don't know when this is going to end or if it will ever end. And then there's acceptance. This is happening and I have to figure out how to proceed. And anyone who has lost someone or lost a job or been through a divorce, any of those things that as they come into play in your life, you've probably experienced each of these and you can get stuck there. You can find your, I have people now waving palm branches. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. Awesome. We're not at that part of the sermon. That's all right. Well, this is happening <clears throat> and I have to figure out how to proceed. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, so with, with grief, you find that <clears throat> not everyone goes through it the same way. But chances are, if you've had symptoms of physical pain or racing mind or anxiety, things that um, are, 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 are indicators of the unease that you're going through, <clears throat> you'll probably uh, be like me, a candidate for grief. Well, <clears throat> the, 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 the interesting thing about trying to make sense of what we're experiencing is there is also a sixth stage that um, is described as <clears throat> anticipatory grief. Anticipatory grief is not actually experiencing the grief itself when someone passes away, but anticipating that when the change happens, it's going to be devastating or it's going to be difficult. Or I don't know what it's going to mean. All I know is that I've lost something and I'm trying to anticipate what it means when COVID-19 runs its course, what the world is going to look like. I do know this. It's not going to be the same as it was back in the uh, early part of March. And so we're anticipating something that uh, we, have to, we have to process as well. When Jesus is going into the city on the donkey, he has this sense of anticipation, both of thriving on the on the on the back end of it being on the front end of it and carefully through uh the the passages of scripture that lead up to to the celebration of the resurrection at the end of the gospels you'll find jesus going through elements of the grief experience and one of them was anticipatory grief and he threw out there to the pharisees yeah in about 40 years this whole city that you see it's no longer going to be not one stone will be on top of another. And it was a type of grieving where he looked at the city and he cried out uh, in Luke 9:51, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, as uh, he began his exodus, uh, as, as, as Luke says, uh, oh, out of the previous world order and into a new way that he was helping to, to define is a way that the church began to embrace as the resurrection and all of its power and experience unfolded later on. Well, let's just stick at anticipatory grief for just a second. And that is where you feel the beginning of the end is in your mind. And we know it by 
the fact that we have some ancient systems. Some of us were often not as verbal or it's a grief we keep to ourselves. We want little active intervention and there is little or no need for words. It is much more of a feeling that can be comforted by the touch of a hand or silently sitting together. Most of the time, we're just kind of focused on the loss of the past. And what it means is, as we go into a state of anticipatory grief, we occupy ourselves with the loss that's ahead. Jesus was looking at the things coming up. He even wrestled with this in the garden. And he knew, and his disciples began to uh, become increasingly aware that things were changing but they weren't sure where it was going. And having that strange feeling in the pit of their own stomachs, and we ourselves maybe sharing that, 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 that same kind of uh, phenomenon in our own lives, um, we know that there is, there, there's a need within us to try to make sense of it. And that really is the key to anticipatory grief is how do we make sense of what lies ahead? In Genesis 1.28, it talks about um, God creating us in his image and likeness and then giving us control over all of the earth in the garden. And then he tells us to, to reproduce, that is, fill the earth and subdue it. And that word subdue means... Um, Take uh, uh, the, the wild woods and forest that are filled with brambles and cut a path, cut an orderly path and let the Lord lead you through it and then lead others through it. And in anticipatory grief, as we try to make sense out of what's going on, we do know there are a lot of things that we can't control. But when we turn to the word, we find that in the word of God, there is a stable center that helps us to respond to circumstances that are, that are unpredictable, that are feral, and that are like the woods that have all kinds of brambles and things like that in disorder. There's something about the word of God that brings structure back to our lives. It gives us a sense of place on a spiritual foundation that is unseen, kind of like our presence together. It is the place that we need to go to every day. You see, one of the biggest struggles that I have is I, I would like for there to be a, a sense of normalcy, a sense of routine, a sense of order, a sense of expectation regarding my role and what my responsibility is relative to that role. But all of that has changed and we've spent the whole week pivoting. And I'm, I'm trying to anticipate in this grief experience, how to make sense, and then how to help you guys make sense. And Jesus saw that. We know that in, in, in John uh, 14, when he's getting ready to go, he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take comfort in knowing uh, that I have overcome this world, and I have gone to prepare a place for you. And he's anticipating things for them when they don't really know how to make sense on how to proceed. So how do we make sense? Well, um, let me just offer a few things uh, because I, 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 I tend to um, 
look at the circumstances that I'm in from a strictly horizontal plane. And when we look up and we look to God and we ask for help, sometimes he offers it. In, in, in my own experience, um, I'd like to pivot from anticipatory grief to sense-making to structure. And, and I made this wonderful high-tech graphic here. So just take a look at it for a second. And, and I'm basically asking the question, how do we thrive during the quarantine? How do we make sense of what is happening? And I just want to start with these four quadrants in this box. And maybe it would be helpful for you to take a, a piece of paper and write in this box, uh, write a box like this that defines your life and how it is that you can find structure in the chaos and the uncertainty that's out there. And let's just start, first of all, with um, the upper, uh, the upper, which would be uh, left-hand corner, prayer. Prayer is a way that we calibrate our lives with the Lord. It is a way of asking God to help us with everyday challenges, to summarize everything that we're feeling and thinking, and engage God uh, with whatever that may be. It is a way of taking the uncertainty and the unknown and calming our souls in the certainty and the promises of the word of God. We've been going through the Psalms together and I hope it's been helping you to cultivate your prayer life because one of the things that David does so good is that he expresses well those things on, her, on his heart that are the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. But I also think the Psalms are so critical in times of chaos, whether it's Saul trying to chase him down or whether he's trying to rule as a king and do so responsibly, or whether he's facing his own shortcomings personally with um, uh, temptation and sin and testing. Whatever the case may be, David framed everything that he did through prayer. And I think that was his stable center in an uncertain time. You see, the kingdom was being established. It hadn't been established. Nobody knew what the outcome was going to be. And as much as we kind of beat up on David for uh, all the things that he's done that seem foolish and other times wise, uh, we have to give him credit because in the midst of all of this pressure on his life, he's trying to establish a kingdom for God and his purposes and his promises and his people. For you and I, waking up every day and praying and starting our day in the word is, is the best way to deal with the grief experience that we're trying to handle and the fear and the anxiety that are nagging at us. If you take time to pray and establish yourself in the things of God, you'll discover that your day will go a lot better. God's presence will be with you and there will be a difference. The second thing is rest. Now rest is one of those things that you may be saying, well, I've got a lot of time or I don't have a lot of time and we don't really know what rest looks like in this moment. And I would just suggest that depending on how you're wired, grab some moments of silence and just give yourself permission to pause. And for some of us, even though we're in this moment where it's so hard for us to, to, to pivot and to change, 
I feel like I've been pedaling pretty hard to try to do that, to create online content, to keep up with all the texting and all of the phone calls and everything like that. And then all the things I need to do at home. Um, I, 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 there's a part of me that says I have to take advantage of this opportunity. There's another part of me that says, Leonard, you're getting tired. And so you need to rest. And when you rest, um, that may mean you have to limit the news and social media in a boundaried way, put limits on its place in your life. It may mean that you need to spend some time walking or playing, just relaxing, cooking, baking as a social activity, reading in the evening, just detaching yourself, letting things go. And maybe limit the work that you're trying to accomplish in this window of time. Then there's relationships. We have a need not only to pray and to rest, but we also are beings that are designed for attachment. I mean, I love meeting people on Sunday morning and I feel very attached to you guys. And I didn't realize how much I did until uh, and until it, until you guys weren't here, um, it's like the old um, the old uh, DC Talk song. You know what you got until it's gone, and so that sense of relationship. And there are people in our houses, but we may or may not be relating to them well. We have this fundamental need for social attachment, but being being present is a little bit different than just being in the same space with another person. And we have to work on that emotional connection, being able to share openly. And sometimes um, uh, that may mean for people that are remote video or audio phone calls. Uh, if you're married, uh, work on that first relationship that you have, and that is with God. And then secondly, with your spouse. And then thirdly, your family. And then fourthly, your church and then everyone else. And that's another way to keep order and to make sense in this time of anticipatory grief. And finally, uh, make a phone call to an old friend you haven't talked to for a long time. That has a way also of just helping you uh, to get things back in order again. Last thing I want to say as we wind this up is work. Work is one of those aspects of life that... Um, we may be tempted to work way too much during this time, or we may be tempted to take it easy. There's paid work. Uh, there is unpaid work that you do around your home. There are things that you do that are volunteer uh, on all of these fronts. Um, and what they, what they mean for us is as we work, they give us, it gives us a sense of purpose. And so we try to find ways to establish a new normal by just paying attention to the routines that are happening in our lives. Now, when Jesus was saying these words as he came into the city of Jerusalem on the donkey, he was basically plotting the way for a new life and ultimately a new world on the road ahead. And he had to start out with grief. 
And it was the grief of knowing that what he saw and what he experienced growing up and the temple that he worshipped in, it was all going to go away. The time that he had, the three years with the disciples, that was going to change. And ultimately, when he's bargaining, Lord, if you would just remove this cup from me, it was his way of saying, I know that there is something better ahead. It is in the will and the purpose of God. But right now, this feeling in my gut is telling me uh, just to run away or to retreat or to hide or to cry. But not my will, your will be done. And he did that in the spirit, I think, of humility and also wisdom. Recognizing in the character and in the promises of God are the most stable places that we can find ourselves located. And so through that prayer and through that time alone in the garden of resting from everything else and in that spirit of turmoil, he began to recenter on what he was called to do, who he was as the Messiah, and how many people through the centuries ahead would depend upon him being faithful. And as he considered his relationships, he started with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And upon the time of walking out of the tomb, he began to rekindle everything that he had with the people that lived in a time that wasn't going to be anymore. There was a new normal, and it had, it had, it had been filled chock full of so many promises and so many possibilities and so much hope. And that was the work that Christ did for you and I. And it was a way of charting a path for you and I as we look at his pattern, as we experience the own, our own patterns of grief and use that as those patterns as a tool for processing what we're experiencing as he did. And the good news is no matter where COVID-19 goes, God wins. God always wins. And that is the hope of Easter. And that was the hope of the people who put their palm branches, like these I have right here, the palm branches on the road, anticipating in their own grief that there's one who's coming to make sense of it all. There's nothing that makes more sense than having the Lord Jesus at the center of your life. It changes everything. And I just want to invite you, if you need to right now, just in a spirit of humility and open-handedness, just say this prayer after me. Would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, in the midst of all of the confusion and the grief and the sadness and the anger and the denial and the hopelessness of this moment, I surrender it and myself and my life to you. Lord, and in exchange, I ask that you would come and fill those spaces that fear and anxiety and threat inhabit. 
I release each of them to you, Lord, and I place them on that bloodstained cross. I surrender my life to you, Lord, and I ask you to forgive me for all of those things that I've created in my life that have been a barrier between myself and you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would, in exchange for that, fill me with your presence and your spirit. I pray for those in this room that we are calling our online space as we gather. I pray, Father, for each of the people here that your presence would be manifest in a life-giving and vital way, that the homes that are represented would be filled not with a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and sound minds. And I pray, Father, that in each of these spaces, you would be front and center. Help us, Lord, as we move through this experience together in your strength, Lord, and not our own. And for your, <clears throat> for your glory, as you use us to share the good news to people that are grieving and afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being a part of this experience with us. And um, for those of you who want to um, uh, check out, please feel free. Uh, but for others, you may want to take a minute and, and have communion. We have these communion cups available at the church um, uh, that's unlocked on Sunday mornings from eight to, to noon. Or I would just encourage you to find uh, within your home some grape juice or some wine, and, but not too much of it, some bread, and, um, and, and join me for a time of communion. As we do this together, I just pray that as God works through this online communion experience, it's a way for you and I to connect on that spiritual level in that unseen realm uh, that, our, that our spirits inhabit together. So as we take the loaf and the cup, I just wanna offer this quick meditation. When Jesus was getting ready to um, anticipate his death, the most critical thing that he did uh, for us was he brought all of his disciples together and he created a space around a table where a meal was offered. And then he took that meal that was a, a, a normal everyday experience and he transformed it into a time of reflecting, of remembering, of praying, of resting, of relationships, of work. And essentially what he did was he said, let's just take a moment and let's take everything that is on our hearts and our minds and set it aside and focus on what's in front of us. And as he did that, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body broken for you. This is a way for God and yourselves to inhabit a space together spiritually that no one, no one can, can break. No one can break in. No one can cross that boundary. If it is, um, if it is defined by 
my broken body. And so he took it and he gave thanks and they ate it. And as they were eating it, they were contemplating just exactly what that meant. And it, in anticipation, knowing that there was an anxiety in the air, they weren't sure, but in hindsight, when they looked back after his body was broken, the dots connected and they understood. And they realized that was a, a gesture of love from the very depths of God's heart. That a sacrifice was made so forgiveness could be given and hearts could be restored fellowship with God through his broken body and then he took his his uh, cup and he he raised it and he said this is this is the blood of the new covenant the covenant is a boundary agreement that you live inside of that defines what the relationship is like it's a it's a it's a container of promises and realities that are uh, a way that God shows us that these things within that boundary cannot be attacked, they cannot be destroyed, they cannot be invaded. It's a secure place. And it starts with the cleansing of our hearts and our minds, our conscience, through the blood of Jesus. And so when he offered it and he gave thanks, and he said, this do in remembrance of me, He anticipated that a time would come when they would drink it again and have the blood again in the form of the, the wine from the new covenant and they would understand. I hope you understand that when we drink of the cup and we break the bread together, it defines a spiritual reality that we have with God. It is a difference between cursing and blessing. It's a difference between walking into a home that is that is uh, uh, that is so filled with fear that it's palpable, or walking into a home where no matter what's happening in the world, there is life and blessing. And what we experience together around the Lord's table. It's a defining feature for our lives individually and our lives personally. Would you bow with me? Father, as we end this time together around this table, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you are faithful, that within your character is an unchangingness regarding your love and your care for us. We thank you, Lord, that you are our safe place. You are our stable place. You are the foundation for our very lives. And as we cut a swath in subduing the feral forest of the roads ahead, we just ask that you go before us. And as we clear that path and we bring order to our lives, we ask, Father, that you help us to help others who are struggling as well. 
May this blood of the new covenant and may the bread that has been broken not only remind us of a table that you've invited us to, but also it is a means of using us to invite others to that table that your hospitality has created for all who would call upon your name and be saved. Bless our people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys take care. And if you need anything, please call me, text me, email me, or the office, Brittany, our elders, Brian. We are all here for you. We love you. We just uh, look forward to the day when we can celebrate together physically in our whole person. But until then, by the grace of God, we are blessed to be able to do what we can do. You guys take care and God bless.